Heavenly Father, we have just heard that you love to give good gifts, that you don't trick us, uh, you're not playing jokes on us, Lord, that you love to lavish upon us like a father to his children, the things that we ask. Lord, now we ask you to give us insight to open our eyes and ears, our hearts to your word, not just as a book with words and pages and ink, but as a, a lens through which to know you, to experience you as our Heavenly Father. We ask all of this in the power of the Holy Spirit and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Years ago, uh, that very famous theologian, singer-songwriter John Mayer, I mean, truly, this song, he, he wrote a song called Something's Missing. If this is not a theological uh, song, I don't know what is. Something's missing. He says, I'm not alone, but I wish I was because then I would know that I was down because I couldn't find a friend around to love me like they do right now. Lots of friends, everybody loves me, something's wrong. And if I was down, at least then I would know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong, something's wrong. I'm dizzy from the shopping mall, I searched for joy but I bought it all. It doesn't help the hunger pains and a thirst that I'd have to drown first to ever satiate. And then the chorus, he says, he sings, something's missing, and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing, and I don't know what it is. Something's missing, and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing, I don't know what it is. At the end, in only a, a John Mayer sort of witty way, he sings, friends, check, money, check, opposite sex, check, guitars, check, messages waiting on me when I get home, check, how come everything I think I need always comes with batteries? Something's missing and I don't know how to fix it. Something's missing and I don't know what it is. Do you feel this way? Do you, did you feel that this week? I don't think that we're very different from John. In fact, uh, this is sort of a human thing. It's a human problem. And the Colossians are facing it in chapter 2 of our epistle lesson. Paul is worried that the Colossians are in danger of beginning to believe that even though they've received Jesus, still something is missing. Something is missing. That's what the false teachers are telling them. So today, Paul writes them and says, listen, Colossians, cathedral, you have everything you need in Jesus Christ. You have the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. This is our theme for today from Colossians 2. Find your scripture insert, 
find the Scripture passage, Colossians 2, verses 6 and following, and take notes if you wish, follow along. We'll jump into this passage for just a few minutes. This is almost like a… It's, it's fun for me. It's like a series. Last week we did Colossians 1. Now we're in Colossians 2. Remember last week, Paul was worried that the Colossians were beginning to believe a counterfeit Jesus. So he says, let me tell you about the real Jesus. The real Jesus is not just one among many little g gods. In fact, He is the Lord of all the cosmos. He is the image, the icon of the invisible God, and He's the Lord over all the church. So this week, now Paul's going to kind of tell the Colossians, therefore, like what do we do with the fact that the real Jesus fills creation with His presence and authority and power? What do we do with it? Here it is in short, we take it into ourselves. We go down deep and we find that place in us that echoes the words of John Mayer, something is missing, and we connect it to Jesus Christ who is the fullness of God, and therefore we become full. All right? This is our theme. Are you full? What have you done looking for your fullness? Where has that search taken you? How are you like John Mayer and all the rest of us looking for fullness? Paul's going to help us understand it. First, I want you to see this theme of fullness in the big picture of the whole passage. When we get to uh, passages in Scripture like this and like last week, just Paul. I mean, Paul's a genius. He's a theologian. Um, his, he does lots of run-on sentences because he's a saint and an apostle, and he gets to get away with that. And so sometimes, um, even and perhaps especially for those of us who are literally paid to study, right, and to teach, it's still very confusing. So zoom out and look at the whole passage. Let me show you the key to the passage. Jump to verse 9, kind of right in the middle of this, right in the middle, verse 9. Verses 9 through 15 is the core. It's the main idea. It's Paul's central thought. Everything else in the passage hangs on this, okay? So look at verse 9. For in Him, in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you, Colossians and Cathedralites, have come to fullness in Christ, who is the head of every ruler and authority. He goes on to do some more teaching in 11 through 14, but that's the core. That's the core. Around this central thought of the fullness of life in Christ, we have two things. First is an encouragement. Look at the top of the passage, verses 6 and 7. Since you are full in Jesus Christ, Paul wants you to know, keep going. As you have received Christ Jesus, verse 6, continue to live your lives in Him just an encouragement. It's still about the fullness of Jesus. Paul wants you to know, because Jesus is the fullness, don't look for anything else. Here's the other thing that surrounds this core thought. Look at verse 8. He gives a warning. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. Similarly, in uh, 
at the end of the passage, verses 16 through 19, still just another ancillary idea, commentary on the main thought. It's another warning. Paul says, verse 16, therefore, don't let anyone condemn you in matters. So, look, here we go. Main idea, the fullness of life in Christ. Around this core thought, Paul says, keep going in the fullness of Christ and don't turn away from the fullness of Christ. But it's all about the fullness of Christ. Paul says, the reason for the fullness is found in verse 9. The reason for the fullness is that Jesus is fully God. We talked about this last week. You can find the sermon online. Paul does this whole, um, he gives actually a hymn, a piece of liturgy on the fullness of Jesus Christ, filling all the universe, the image of God. Listen, this is a key doctrine in Christianity. Lots of people over lots of years have felt rather squeamish about how to make sense that this man in Nazareth, born of Mary, is God in the flesh. But let me tell you one thing, Orthodox Christianity has never doubted it. You can't get around it. So if you're just exploring Christianity, here's a good place to start. Paul says, if you want fullness of life, if you feel like something's missing, start here. Jesus is God. So grab a hold of Jesus, because in Jesus, you get the maker of heaven and earth. You get the one who makes all this stuff that you try to fill yourself with. Paul says, not just the reason for the fullness of life in Christ, but here's the, um, here's the route. How do we get the fullness? Look at verse um, 12. Paul writes, when you were buried with Christ in baptism, you were also raised with Christ through faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. How do we get the fullness of God in Jesus Christ? We get it through baptism. Baptism is, is really a shorthand way of saying through following Jesus, through trusting Jesus, through laying down all of our weapons and submitting to Jesus' rule. Back in Paul's day, baptism was a much longer process, maybe years even, of saying, I want to be baptized, and then you'd have to go through a period of training and more training and more training, and then finally, during the Easter vigil, you would be uh, baptized. For us, over centuries now, um, with the most, most, the biggest parts of the church in history, we baptize infants. This was a practice that started really early on as well. We have lots of good reasons for that. We can't get into those today. But here's what I want you to know. Baptism, shorthand for following Jesus, is a beautiful picture. In fact, it's so beautiful, it's so important that even though it may have happened for you way back when, when you were a baby and you can't even remember, nevertheless, Paul holds it up as the route to getting the fullness of Christ. Our, our um, more, um, how do I say this, our more lower church Protestant friends who would uh, perhaps sometimes run the risk of overlooking the sacraments have to deal with this passage. What does it mean that if you and I want the fullness of God that we must be baptized? What does that mean? Except what it says, right? Baptism is huge. Here's the thing. A lot of times as a priest, we have uh, families come to our church and say, oh, I, I would like for my kid to be baptized. 
and they come to the baptism class, it's wonderful. Let me be honest with you, and I'll offer this in love. Sometimes we don't see them after the baptism for a long time. That is a danger in our particular tradition. Baptism, that's not what baptism means. Baptism, Paul pictures here, is like an unending image, a resource that you can keep drawing from. In fact, we have uh, fonts, little concrete fonts at the entrance of, of the door so that when you go out and when you come in the church, you remember your baptism, you put the water in your hands, you make the sign of your cross. This defines you. This defines you. I encourage you when we do baptisms on the five feast days of the year to relive your baptism. In the 1979 prayer book, as the, the, um, uh, the, um, the edits were being made from the 1928 prayer book, one of the big issues was that the theologians wanted to stress the impact and the essential quality of baptism as a main theme of the Christian life. We take Eucharist every day, but it's, it's almost like we should remember our baptism every day, right? So don't forget your baptism. That's the route to getting the fullness of God. Now, what's the result? What's the result of the fullness of God? Jesus gives it to us because He is God. We get it through our baptism, through following Jesus. What happens next? Paul says this in verses um, 15. Well, actually in verse 11. Start with verse 11. Here's one of the results. In Him you were circumcised with the spiritual circumcision. That's men and women, right? A spiritual circumcision. In the Greek, the the text says, a circumcision made without hands. Don't get bogged down in some of the the medical parts of what circumcision means. Circumcision in Paul's language is the equivalent to baptism. And it is, think of it as a cutting off of something that you don't need. In a sense, when you were baptized, the old self, your old sinful dead flesh was cut, never to be a part of you again. Or if, in case you don't like that metaphor, Paul says this, no, no, in baptism, you were buried with Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be buried in water. Do you? Because you die, right? That's the whole point. The old self was cut from you. The old self was drowned in the waters of baptism. That's the result. Here's another result. Our old life that was so full of debts, in the Greek it's IOU, literally, IOUs to God. We have a list of ways in which we've fallen short with God. He's wiped them all away. Verses 13 and 14, and you, Colossians, were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, but God made you alive together with Him when He forgave us all our trespasses erasing the record, erasing the IOUs that stood against us. There's another result, a final result, and that's that you get the victory of God. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, He, Jesus, disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. The image in the Greek text here is of a king who's defeated an enemy, chained up the enemy, and is 
walking this enemy bare naked through the streets to show his power, to show his victory. He's made, our God has made a mockery of the things, the evil, the sin, the death that plagues us. That's what he did on the cross. We talk about fullness. What does fullness mean? It means that our old life was stripped away, drowned in baptism. It means that we're forgiven. No more IOUs to God. You don't owe God anything. God gifts himself to you. And it means that we walk in the victory of God over the evil powers in this world. Fullness is something missing. You will find it in Jesus Christ. Let's apply this. Let's apply this. Oh, by the way, just a comment on verse 6 and 7 and the warnings. It's beautiful. Verse 6 and 7, Paul, this is what Paul wants you to do, the response with, with, with God's fullness. He wants you to continue in it. Keep going. He gives us three metaphors. You, you can study this later. He says, um, continue to live in Jesus. The word in the Greek is walk. So keep going. Keep walking. Keep walking in your baptism. Reach into it like a deep well. Pull out what you need, when you need it, all the time. Second, second metaphor, he says, is, is stay rooted in it. It's like Jesus is the soil, right? It's constantly nourishing your roots. You will grow. Growth isn't optional for Christians. Growth is a way of life. It's an everyday thing because we're soaking in the waters of baptism. Then he says, be built up in him. It's like a house. Jesus is the architect, and he's building you up. He warns the Colossians in verses 8 and 16 and following, and this is the other response. He warns them, don't get distracted. Not only keep going, but don't get distracted by other things that you think might give you the fullness. For the Colossians, it was a couple of things. One were um, philosophies, intellectual games. Um, Another was, in verse 16 and following, certain ascetic practices, like legalistic practices. Paul says, no, you're not going to find fullness. You're not going to find fullness there. It's only in Jesus. Um, Throughout history, funny enough, and this this is the passage that often gets used against, um, against Roman Catholics and high church Anglicans and Lutherans who have lots of traditions like this, right? And like all the bowing and the crossing and the incense and, and the, the, the way the argument goes is usually like a, see, St. Paul said, well, they wouldn't call him St. Paul, they would say, Paul said, Paul said, don't follow the traditions of men. Um, I just want to speak to that and say that, that this is not what Paul is, is talking about. Paul, Paul is addressing uh, philosophies at, of human origin not origin in the church, human origin, man-made stuff. Um, it's, true that it's, it's true that you and I, uh, uh, w- in a tradition like this, can take these, legal, these practices and make them legalistic, but people can make anything legalistic. You can be legalistic and not doing traditions, right? So just a warning uh, to watch out for that and, and uh, don't be afraid. This is a, we, we practice the faith in a beautiful way and it's based on uh, traditions that come from the church uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now let's apply it. Fullness, do you have it? 
Do you know what it feels like? What is it that you're missing? Where do you look for fullness? You say, I am my weight. I am my looks. I am the car I drive, the clothes I wear, the things I buy, the places I shop. I am my social media accounts. Those things are going to fill me up. I know it. Someone else says, no, 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 I, I am my work. I am my accomplishments. I am my grades. I am my sales for this year. I am my bank account. I am the popular people I know around Orlando. I am what I'm good at. I am my smarts. That will fill me up. I am my relationships. I am my marriage. I am my divorce. I am my singleness. I am what you say that I am. People will fill me, won't they? I am my emotions. I am my happiness. I am my depression. I am my thoughts, my beliefs, my actions. No, no, no. I, I am my past. I am my abuse. I am my mistakes, my mistakes. I am my sins. I am a Republican, a Democrat, an independent. I'm a fed up. I'm, a, I'm, I'm my causes. I'm my activism. What are, what are you? What, what, where has your search for fullness taken you? So many options. The problem is that weight fluctuates, bodies change, cars break down, the work is never done, our bank accounts crash, our relationships fall apart, our emotions are fickle, political systems reach a stalemate. Only the one who possesses the fullness of God and bodily form can fill up what's missing in our souls. I have a friend who, for various reasons, feels called to live a celibate life, one in which his, his sexuality is offered to God as a sacrifice. What would make a person willing to do something like this, something so opposite of our culture which preaches a gospel of a sexuality with no limits, and by the way, with no end of victims? What would a person willing to sacrifice his sexuality, what would make a person willing to do this? It's, it's the fullness of Christ. That's what would do it, the fullness of Christ. Many of you give up much of yourself and your resources to serve this church right here, cathedral, all week long. You're usually not thanked for it. No one notices, um, but you keep doing it year after year. What would make a people so selfless? Oh, it's because they don't need to get their needs met from serving. They're so full of Jesus. They found fullness in Him that they love to serve. I can think of a person uh, in this congregation who every Sunday goes out of his way to find a guest, to shake their hands, get their names, get their stories, make sure they feel comfortable, and shows them just what shouldn't be, but what is a radical hospitality. What would make a person so hospitable to guests? The fullness of Christ. This summer, we're preparing for a capital campaign, and as we prepare for it, some of you have already given. What would make a people like you so generous? What would make you so generous? Well, money, money you've already figured out doesn't meet your needs. It won't fill you up, but Jesus will. It's the fullness of Christ. Friends, if something is missing in you, 
the way sometimes it feels like it's missing in me and in theologian John Mayer, then today, when you come to the altar for Eucharist, bring your hands open and needy and let God fill you up with the presence of Jesus Christ in the bread and the wine, his body and blood. Amen.